It was my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and even in lockdown, even with a lockdown birthday, there are still things that I anticipate will happen. So things like getting cards, possibly getting a cake, getting a few presents, getting a takeaway. Normally it would be a meal out, but this year a takeaway. But something happened this year that I didn't anticipate. I got a special birthday greeting from somebody. If you just look on your screen now, you'll see who the birthday greeting was from. Now, there's a bit of a backstory here, and it's a kind of family joke, because in our household, Claire and Timothy are both United supporters, and Nat is a City supporter. Now, apart from enjoying watching England play, I am not a huge football fan. Naturally, I suppose I would support Stockport County, but that's just a a lost cause, really. But this last year, we have found ourselves as a family when there's not been that much else to do, sitting down and watching quite a lot of Premier football games. So, I've had to decide to find a team to support. Now, how do you go about finding a football team to support? Well, what better way than basing it on the wisest, the oldest, the retired England manager, Roy Hodgson. So I have become an honorary Crystal Palace supporter in the last year. And to celebrate this, he sent me this T-shirt. How amazing is that? Well, actually, probably it's Claire and Nat got it printed for me. I'm not quite sure. But anticipation is something we all live with in life, isn't it? Tomorrow marks the end of the stay-at-home order, and it means that actually we can start meeting people outdoors, we can um, meet six people, the rule of six is reintroduced. And I guess for many of us, we're already starting to anticipate a walk over Easter or having some friends into our garden or whatever it might be, or even that 40-minute barbecue in the shivering cold. But today, as we've heard our reading from Mark's Gospel, we have skipped um, quite a few chapters, and we're now right at the start, if you like, of the Easter readings. We're in the Palm Sunday reading. And if you're joining with us on the tour over the coming days, we will be continuing this journey through Mark's Gospel as we look at the events that lead up to Calvary and then beyond to Resurrection. But this Sunday, we're looking at the time when Jesus, as a humble king, enters Jerusalem. In verse 2 of the passage we heard read, he sends the disciples ahead of him. And they go to find the the, the cult of a a donkey, which becomes a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Lots of symbolism going on here, lots of fulfillment of what the Old Testament says. And this really fulfills Zechariah 9 verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a coal, the foal of a donkey. As Jesus enters the city seated on the colt, which was in fact actually considered to be a royal animal, but a peaceable animal, crowds spread out branches in front of him. They put their cloaks on the floor as Jesus processes in. And the crowds take up the cry of Psalm 118, where it said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they shout out, Hosanna, this cry, this Hebrew cry of praise. And it actually literally means save, save now. And it's taken up by the people. If you've been joining us as we've gone through Mark's gospel, you you may have um, noticed a few times that Jesus would actively discourage people from saying more about who he was. But here, the opposite happens. 
He accepts the shouts of the crowd. He accepts the praise. As the prophecy of the Old Testament is fulfilled, he, he's there journeying through this procession of adoration and adulation. And everything that is said and done here is absolutely spot on. The affirmation is all right and appropriate. But actually, in many ways, this is a rather unusual scene. It's a kind of backward scene. It's a victory parade. But actually, Jesus hasn't won his victory yet. Now, for many Romans in the city, there was a Roman garrison in Jerusalem, and perhaps there's some of the Roman soldiers around the place, they would have looked at this scene and thought, well, this is rather odd. This is laughable, even. Because if a Roman general had won a mighty victory and processed into a city in triumph, they would do it in a very, very different way. All the spoils of war, the gold and the silver that they'd captured, would go in in front of them. Then any captive enemy soldiers that they'd, they'd put into slavery would come next. Then the legions of Roman soldiers would come, and right at the back, the victorious general, in a chariot pulled by great war horses, would be there processing into the city. Back in the, in the minds of perhaps some of the, the, the Jewish residents of Jerusalem would be events from two centuries earlier where Judas Maccabeus had ridden into Jerusalem in triumph, having defeated the Greeks who were ruling the city at the time. But both of those are military. This is nothing like that. Here comes Jesus in humility, with no army, no violence, peaceably, no spoils of war, no riches. His victory lies ahead, not behind. And his victory will be won through humility and suffering, not through fighting and armies. And as so often that God does this, the tables are turned upside down. God's ways are not our ways. We anticipate one thing, and God shows us a totally different way of living. Within days, these crowds will disperse, and God's victory over sin and death will be won as Jesus dies on that cross, dies in our place, pays the price for our sin and our shame. But it was easier for the crowds here to get their head around a triumphant Messiah than it will be for those disciples of Jesus who are still there at the cross to get their heads around what a crucified Messiah actually means. Now, for some on Palm Sunday, they would be anticipating that Jesus will restore the earthly kingdom of Israel, that Jesus would bring about kingdom rule on this earth, Now, Jesus comes to bring about kingdom rule, but not in that way. The kingdom of God is when God is allowed to rule in our reign in our hearts, one heart at a time as we surrender to him. Jesus' rule and reign will not be complete until he returns in great glory. Now, the rabbis of Jesus' day, they read the same Old Testament prophecies that we can read about how the Messiah could could be a humble king. And they anticipated that a Messiah would come. But they had very elaborate ways of trying to make the the teachings of the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament, fulfill their purposes. And so they had their own set of anticipation. They read Zechariah, but they thought this. Look what David Gusset comments. He says, the Messiah would come humbly to an unworthy Israel, but mightily to a worthy Israel. Since Israel considered itself worthy, they only looked for a triumphant, conquering Messiah. Many of the Jewish teachers thought that Israel was worthy because they were keeping the law. They were keeping things to the nth degree, with all their legalism and structure. But actually, God had other ideas. They were expecting this earthbound victory of the Messiah. 
Whereas God's Messiah, Jesus, comes to free us from sin and death. The humble king, not a military hero. The way of the cross. Jesus coming in deep humility. Now this week we have remembered um, with, with, with great sadness, with reflection, that it's been just over a year now since the start of the first lockdown. I don't know if you can remember back to those days when the, the Prime Minister announced for the first time that much of society was closing down and we had to remain at home. And the last year we have been in and out of restrictions. Sometimes it seemed like things were getting easier and then we've found again that we have been locked down. Now, in our own church family, over that period of time, I know there have been many of us who have been ill. Some of us have, have gone through the grief and pain of, of losing loved ones to this really terrible disease. And all of us, in one way or another, have, have lost so much of life that just seemed normal and regular to us before the pandemic. Coming to gathered worship in this building here, singing our praises to God freely and without restriction, Going shopping, going to the seaside, going on holiday, having friends or family round for dinner. Now, although tomorrow marks a step in a direction to a more normal life, there are still so many question marks, aren't there, hanging over the future. So as we look at this scene on Palm Sunday, this scene that was so different to what many people were anticipating, how can it help us navigate these weeks and these months that now lie ahead? What kind of Christians, what kind of followers of Jesus are we called to be as these restrictions start to ease? Well, I think just three things for us to reflect on this morning from from this image of Jesus going into Jerusalem, things that Jesus demonstrates as he rides on that colt into Jerusalem. The first thing, and I think this this is a really helpful one, is Jesus is confident in his calling. He's obedient to his father's will. He accepts what the crowd say. He doesn't shy away from what God is calling him to do. You know, as we go into what is still an uncertain future, we can be confident in Jesus. Confident in the good news of the gospel. Confident that when people turn their lives to him, there is freedom and security and hope and a future. We can be confident about speaking and sharing this amazing good news that we have in Christ. Second thing, Jesus comes in peace. This is one of the most telling images of Palm Sunday. Not for war, but for sacrifice. He comes not to take up the sword, but to lay down his life. The call of the gospel, the the, the call of Jesus, is that we too should be the peacemakers. Now, being a peacemaker doesn't start with winning a a Nobel Peace Prize, but it, it starts around the dinner table with what we choose to talk about. It starts as we're queuing to go in the bakers and we we don't get irate and we say pleasant and nice things to one another. It starts when we choose to be like Jesus. It starts when we hang back from responding with an angry comment on social media. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm really honest with myself, I found that over this last lockdown, I have started to perhaps become a little more irritable than I normally am. I can get a little bit frayed around the edges, just the, the sort of pressure of not seeing people, the pressure of not having those outlets of things that we enjoy doing. But then we look at the week that lies ahead for Jesus, and Jesus is under the most intense pressure. He will be praying to his Father that if there is another way in Gethsemane, that this cup will be taken from him. But he will still go to Calvary. 
But never once does he journey away from being that person of peace. And he calls us to follow that example. The third and final thing is sacrificial. As the week unfolds, we see that Jesus has come to offer himself for the sins of the world. So that we, when we follow him, when we respond in repentance and faith, can have that relationship with the Father. Now, it's going to be easy, isn't it, I think, over the next weeks and months to just get absorbed with the things that we need to do. For some of us, you know, the, the, the easing of restrictions will be the, the quick rush out to the hairdressers or the barbers for a haircut, not me, I hasten to add. Some of us will need new clothes. Some of us will just be desperate for socialising. But let's, on that road back to a more normal way of life, let's not forget the call of Jesus to love our neighbours ourselves to be sacrificial in how we think of others' needs before our own. So maybe this Easter you've already decided that it feels appropriate for you to start going out for a walk with with other people, to to having that sort of contact outside. Can I encourage us? Let's be sacrificial in how we do that. Think of people who perhaps we can support and help through this time. Jesus, God's Messiah, God's anointed one this week, will reveal humility, peace, sacrifice, but confidence in his Father's call. Let's, as this week unfolds, let's marvel again at the price that was paid for us, the humility of Christ who left the splendor of heaven out of love, and the peaceable nature of the kingdom of God, and the nature of that call that Jesus puts onto our lives. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, in this week, as we remember again the events leading up to to Calvary and and your death for us, as we look beyond to the amazing hope of, of resurrection, I just want to pray that you will just help us to spend the time to reflect on your character and help us to think through what that means for us in the here and now. So, Lord, this week, help us to emulate you. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we pray. In whose name we ask. Amen.